David Stockdale here, 1-3, from Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the latest episode of The Wickham Wanderers Show. I genuinely haven't, I've forgotten how many we're on to now. 1-3? Po- <laughs> yeah, possibly. Possibly ten. Uh, it's more than seven, but seven is, is a brilliant number because it's the number of home victories consecutively in a row, and the sun shone on Saturday. It's a record. It's very exciting. It really is, yes. I shouldn't think many clubs can claim that, can they? Uh, no. You'll never sing that. Seven home wins and musical instruments are banned. Topical. Uh, well, coming up uh, this hour, we'll be uh, catching up with manager Gareth Ainsworth. We'll be reflecting on uh, that victory over Gillingham. We'll look ahead to the trip to Doncaster. We'll ask Bob, where is Doncaster? Uh, we'll also be hearing from... It's not Darlington, because you get those two muddled up. I do. I don't know. What yeah. it, mu- it must be, just they both uh, start with D. Uh, I, I imagine they're not close together, are they, geographically or indeed footbally? No. It's like when my son asked me whether West Ham and West Brom was a derby. I liked that. <laughs> the West derby. The West derby. No, no, they're not very close. Good try, one house point. Uh, also, we'll be hearing from former striker Mickey Nuttall, and we'll catch up with ex-director Alan Parry. Lots to look forward to. And I know that we said all of that in the in the run-up to last week's show, but then the musical instrument thing happened, and we spoke to Matt Cecil instead, so that's why it's this week and not last week. In sorry, Mickey, and sorry, Alan. Yes, but we'll, we'll more than make up for it this week. With We uh, will. Because fortunately, by some coincidence, Mickey actually mentions uh, Alan Parry in his he does. Co- <laughs> saying that he, he used to get his boots on, as, as not many directors at many football clubs do, I imagine. Indeed. And Alan Parry said it's to make uh, the players look better. Yes, yes. And now I think we realised why Alan does commentary rather than actually <laughs> plays. Absolutely. So all that's to come, but first we'll, uh, we'll start uh, with that fantastic win against Gillian. Because if I recall correctly, in last week's programme, we were fairly optimistic, I think, weren't we, in, the, in sort of predicting three points at home again? We were quite optimistic, but then you hear what Gareth has to say, and of course, you know, he was very much, you know, we can't, can't underestimate them, and Steve Evans will get, you know, make sure that they're, they're up for it. Uh, which actually, I think, probably proved to be slightly incorrect, because I think they were probably the worst team that we've played so far this year. Um, and you just think, oh dear, yeah. Uh, but but at the same time, we should not let that dismiss our uh, contribution to the game, because uh, we were rather good, I thought. No, definitely. I'm really pleased for uh, Gareth, uh, not the manager Gareth. Indeed, well, obviously Gareth with always, an A. Always pleased for Gareth as not well. Gareth with an E. No, because he's doing rather well, isn't he? He is, yeah, indeed. Scoring after two minutes. Uh, and then Brandon Hanlon, another one who we said last week is doing rather well and is really doing rather well, uh, putting us 2-0 up. Um, and at that point, uh, if you were like me, you probably were thinking, oh, goodness me, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll get into double figures this afternoon. Well, that didn't quite happen. But even so, it was still very entertaining. Um, and uh, Gillian missed a penalty as well. Because there seems something really rare and exciting about scoring so early in a game. Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? Is that you score you score too early in a game and you do then start thinking, oh, I wonder what our record score is. Uh, and yes, and that, that, that thought, it, that, it never comes off. When you think that thought, it never then happens that actually you score lots of goals. So I made the mistake of thinking that. And that once Ginning got that penalty, I did think, mm. oh, goodness me, why does this keep happening? That actually, you know, we go 2-0 up and then we concede. But clearly the Gillingham player decided to... to uh, see how far he can boot the ball. Slightly you misjudged know. the height it, of the crossbar. Indeed, you might have it was a it was a slightly wasps type, <laughs> you know, retro <laughs> incident, wasn't it? Uh, well over the valley terrace, uh, and yeah, and so we survived and you know, sort of saw the game out fairly comfortably, really after that. Because there have been games in the past, obviously, where uh, the team is tuning up and then you 
concede and it's it's 2-1 and then you're thinking oh you know I mean Charlton this season Accrington Stanley Shrewsbury you know we've had it quite often Uh, fantastic that we've hung on Mm. and that we've won those games 2-1 but it does make rather uncomfortable uh, viewing Uh, and clearly uh, particularly uh, you know no no disrespect to Julian but because they were quite so poor had they been in with a shout of getting a point that you know that there would have been no justice whatsoever so it was quite good that they they missed the penalty no definitely and a really good um obviously must be atmosphere after after such a fantastic home run as they as they might say it was, it, well, i thought it was really good atmosphere and again without wishing to go over the the sort of ins and outs of drumgate as possibly it's becoming but it was definitely noticeable that actually there almost seemed to be more noise coming from the mm. valley terrace because fans were allowed to naturally chant and start coming up with songs and the one trouble with having the drum is that actually it very much dominates everything and mm. so if people want to start their own chants they can't uh, i completely appreciate the the effort that the drummer went into doing drumming uh, but i did think actually the atmosphere was better on saturday without the drum i think really nice as well that it was it was covered in such detail on last week's show as well. no, <laughs> Indeed, nice, to, yes. nice to have addressed that yeah absolutely we have addressed that uh <laughs> but it, it's not now going to become a show about drumming in the way that it becomes a, a show about um either dog leads or soft closing toilet seats no we have to get those those references in absolutely uh, if you've just tuned in and wondered why we talked about <laughs> you need to listen to previous shows although you said you've done some research about the uh, you've got a contribution well, no, no it wasn't research um so so uh, i happened to notice <laughs> the other day in the upstairs bathroom uh that we have at home which for reasons i won't go into i don't go into that often um and i discovered that the toilet seat in there is a soft closing toilet seat Ah. I had no idea that we owned one. I was sitting here saying to you, I didn't even know what they were. Actually, we have one at home. Don't have one in the downstairs toilet. Don't know why that is, but we do have one in the upstairs toilet. You should probably action that. Yes. Have them in both, or not at all. Well, at the same time, I'm waiting now until they do have them in the club shop so that we can have a Wiccan Wanderer's <laughs> loose seat. It's definitely a thing that should be explored, I think. I think the, the swan would look very good on the, on the front of a, a loose seat. Yes, but really, uh, getting back to the football, as Indeed. I suppose we, we probably should, uh, really nice as well to be uh, joint top of the table as Indeed, well. Indeed, yes. Uh, slightly, <coughs> slight shame that Burton couldn't uh, at least get a point against Plymouth to, to put us top uh, uh, on our own. But we will take being uh, second. Thank you very much. It looks absolutely wonderful, the table. Um, obviously, a couple of teams below us, Wigan and Sunderland, both have played one game less. Mm. Uh, but that, that's about it. You know, everybody else on 11. Uh, Plymouth, obviously, on 12. So, yes, we have a game in hand over them. Uh, and, you know, looking promising. And, again, I know Gareth will say that we definitely shouldn't underestimate them, etc., etc. But the fact that our next game uh, is away to the team who are currently bottom of the table, uh, I think definitely gives us cause for, for hope. A uh, really special day at Adams Park. Seven consecutive home wins. A uh, special day in other reasons as well. Uh, let's hear the thoughts of the manager. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth speaking after the game. We really feel that we have this home advantage at times, you know. We're, I'm not telling you exactly what I say to the boys, but we use we use this place um, as, a, as a fortress, you know. And, and yeah, of course, it's, it's, you know, teams do get beat at home now and again, but you look at the top, top teams and, and you, you, you hear these records have not been beat at home for two years and things like that, you know, your Liverpools, your Man Cities and, and Man United. And, and, and I think that that's key to, to success in, uh, in, in a team. So um, being at home is important to these boys, you know. 
know, they always feel, especially this season, that we can achieve at home, and uh, and I think that we want to uh, we want to keep Adams Park for once as a real fortress and a real place that's difficult to come to. So I would back us against anyone at home, and uh, and I'm looking forward now to the next few games. Gareth, expectations and probably the highest they've ever been since you've been at the club. Is it is it difficult to? It was, and, and I'm getting used to it. You know, I think that I can't thank everybody, every chairman I've had, um, you know, for giving me the time that they've given me to create this culture, to create this this experience that I'm learning all the time. I've not cracked anything. I am so a novice at this still, and I will keep learning and keep learning. And um, and now, like you say, the expectation levels have risen. That's something else to manage. But um, I firmly believe that we are capable of achieving with the talent we've got and with the players we've got but we can never ever lose what we had at Torquay that day and, and all through those years since then and, and building up to, to this moment if we lose any of that foundation we will be kicking ourselves because um, that's what builds teams and, uh, and like I said I'm really really proud and, and really uh, really really happy with the boys and the boys have been brilliant today they deserve all the credit and uh, and I hope they get it have you got fuel on your car yet or are you going to be cycling home <laughs> I've got a fuel in my car don't worry about that as I said that was a coincidence that day I'll take the plaudits and if it encourages anyone else to uh, to cycle in but please wear a helmet that's my way of advice I think um, some guy um, left his handbrake on the, the hill <laughs> I mean, as well There's a big. maybe he should have cycled in so. and chained his bike up today because he might have uh, you know he might have rolled into someone else that could be costly but um, I hope he didn't leave to uh, to the detriment of missing a goal Gareth one bit question about the start to the game today that intensity that you call for how yeah. deliberate is that yeah, I asked for it. You know, I asked for, I asked for an intense start, um, and it's it's sometimes difficult because um, we all will sit back on our laurels sometimes and think we're we're decent. And it's my job to keep inspiring them to get out there and have a fast start like that. We we blew Charlton away in the first few minutes, and and I was and Lincoln, and I was similar to to that. I wanted that in the vein of, of that, you know. And I think it's important to tell the lads and show the lads what they're good at rather than what they're bad at sometimes. And we're good pressers. We're very good. We're very structured, we're very organised uh, and we've got willing runners and that's really important, so um, no, really proud of the start but proud of the finish, you know, we saw the game up really well too Just a quick word on Naz, who sadly passed away last week, yeah. I mean um, condolences to his family, what are your thoughts? Well my thoughts are win, lose or draw today, it's insignificant compared to what that family's going through right now I was so pleased to be able to just go up to them, give them a scarf that obviously was, was close to him and, uh, and just... I mean, more strength than I've ever got, and uh, and I say that you know publicly. It's, it's an amazing strength that that family's showing right now with the loss of, of the dad and the husband, and uh, and if that can if that can go any way and ease in their pain, then uh, I hope it does. But um, just two strong two strong boys there, and uh, and I'm hoping that they uh, take solace from that. My dad would have loved that today. Uh, really nice to hear from Gareth, and also uh, obviously his first thoughts not on the football itself. Yeah, absolutely. It just I know we say it a lot on this programme, but you realise how well actually Wickham Wanderers do things such as what they did on Saturday for Naz. Gareth particularly, you know, is such a good ambassador for Wickham Wanderers. Um, you can't imagine some managers 
doing what he actually did, going over, speaking to the family. Mm. Uh, he does it so, so well as well. You know, we are very, very lucky to have Gareth. We're very, very lucky to have the people that we have uh, looking after and, and being the custodians of our club. And, you know, once again, um, as they did with um, Teresa, as they did with um, Sandy Durban, you know, they, they are so, so good um, at remembering uh, fans uh, who have passed away. And so many other aspects to the club as well, which people perhaps don't get to hear about. Uh, there was a special VIP day that they'd given to Chris, who was a member of Bucks Minds uh, team and for the work that he does. And it's so fantastic to see on social media that the video of him really enjoying his, his day out and, and, and really kind of special... Um, feeling to be given that uh, to, to, just to spend the day at the club yeah and again great to see that actually that they support the mental health causes that they've again spoken so well about that uh, in the past and about the importance of good mental health and you can just tell by some of the things that Gareth said uh, and, and Dobbo as well mm. that actually it is a very important part of the club we're not one of those clubs that just pays lip service to these things that actually yes they take the mental well-being uh, of not only the players but the the staff uh, and by you know by association i think the supporters as well they take that all very very seriously uh, and again they they do it so so well they're they're not one of these clubs that just you know sort, sort of maybe puts up a, a a slogan or a banner or something like that and then thinks oh well yeah we've ticked that box uh if wick and wanderers do something they actually put their their heart and soul into it uh, and yeah, uh, you know, again, I, I know I said, I think I said it last week with regards to the uh, musical instrument issue, but the fact that that's the only, thing, you know, one mm. of the, the few things that actually people are debating on uh, at the moment just shows you what a good place we're in. No, definitely. And the, the club, it sounds corny to say it, but the club really does sound like a family yeah. and treats everyone connected to it uh, in that way as well. And obviously our thoughts with, with Naz's family as well. And also to Len Worley as well, yes. who, uh, of course, is a former former legendary player of the club, uh, someone that we've spoken to uh, previously on the programme as well. Unfortunately, suffered a heart attack and is recovering, so I wish you a speedy recovery. And uh, great to hear that Gareth picked up the phone as well to, to speak to him too. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was good to hear as well from Len's point of view because obviously, yeah, he's, he's doing OK if he's, you know, able to take... Uh, phone calls from from gareth ainsworth uh but yeah we wish him all the very best because it was great to hear from him when he spoke to us uh in in the last season of the wickham one absolutely show. and another really good news this week uh, fantastic to see uh, nick freeman getting a new contract yes yeah yeah absolutely uh really really good uh obviously been injured you know and again long-term injury uh, some clubs probably they would have said right okay cheerio but no uh he's been rewarded with a new contract and would be great to see him back uh in the squad hopefully very soon a really good boost actually if you're out with a long-term injury and then you get news like yeah, that. It must oh, really, completely. really sort of spur you on. Yeah, yeah. Particularly, I think probably when you're a lower league player, and you must worry a little bit. Uh, and particularly the time that he's been injured, obviously, you know, during the closed season, where you might be thinking, well, are they going to say, okay, sorry, uh, cheerio? But no, we've we, we've stuck with him, and it will be great to see him back. And nice of Gareth as well to, to comment on you know what a great part he's played in this this is five year journey from League Two to the Championship as well. Yeah, uh, he's been one of those really really consistent players as well. You know what you're going to get when he he comes on. You know he doesn't often start, but he often uh, often comes off the bench. Uh, really really good addition uh, to the the squad. And yeah, that definitely one of those slightly unsung heroes. And as you say, hopefully it won't be too long uh, before he see him back in action. Uh, let's hear it from Nick now. Gutted that I'm not playing and that I'm injured like long term, but also like buzzing that been able to get a year, one year extension I'm so grateful to Rob, Pete Gaffer who are, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough to get that from them and they've been kind enough to do that for me 
Let's go back a year then. You've been part of this journey from, you know, really the bottom end of League Two up into the Championship. You must have been so proud as a player to have reached that level with your teammates around you, knowing what a big part you played in getting there. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Probably that Wembley day is probably like one of the best nights of my life. Like to be stuck here like five years ago with all these lads and we've got to the Championship considering we were. Little Wickham at the time was just like a dream come true. Like we just defied all odds, and it was just yeah, it was just the best. Let's talk about the injury because obviously a real hammer blow. And, and I guess you've been here a long time. You've seen players. You're very close to Darius Charles, who themselves have gone through long injuries in, in, in their careers. And does that kind of experience from those teammates around you help kind of get to grips with with the situation? Yeah, luck, lucky enough, I've had a lot of people to talk to at the club who have been through that kind of injury so they've been supportive with me and let me know how it's going to go and uh, what, what I need to expect from it and it's been it's been it's been easier than it than it should have been and I've been lucky like there's nowhere else I would have had this injury than to be a Wickham of such a great squad such a great changing room staff have just been there for me right from the start and like, I'm honestly flattered by it and the light at the end of the tunnel now is that that extra year you've got on your contract knowing that you'll be able to come back get yourself fully fit and, and really show what you can do again yeah it takes that weight off my shoulders it's one less worry off my shoulders I can now just focus on my rehab and, and, and get back to playing as soon as I can so I'm just really happy and grateful that they've, that they've done that for me and I'm buzzing to be here and I know you'd love to be out there on the pitch but in your absence the boys are doing an incredible job aren't they what a start to the yeah, season it's been I, I expected that I'll be honest Like the squad we've got now is probably the best I've seen it since I've been here We've got literally everything you need in the squad to to go where we want to go to, and yeah, there's no there's no surprise on how good we're doing at the minute. And we just spoke before we came on air about the, the fans and the support that they've shown you down the years as well. And I know they'll be really pleased to know that although there is this injury hurdle to get over, they're going to see Nick Freeman in a Wickham shirt again. And, and you must be so pleased with their support down the years. Yeah, they've all been amazing since I first joined. Like the, the most welcoming fans I've ever come across. And you know, I mean, when it's going tough, when it's going great, they're always they're always up for us. Like they're always there for us. And it's just a, it's a great support base here. Nick Freeman speaking to Matt, and obviously uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. That's Nick, not Matt. I don't think Matt needs a speedy recovery, but if he does, we wish him one as well. Uh, next part of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll be hearing from Mickey Nuttall, uh, former forward. We'll catch up with Alan Parry a bit later on, and hear more from Gareth Ainsworth here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Continuing our uh, series of chats with former players, uh, with uh, big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. Uh, we've been uh, catching up with a number of uh, top names of late. I can tell you that on next week's show, uh, we'll be chatting to uh, former uh, player Steve Thompson, which if you were listening last week, you'll hear uh, that I did say that for this week. But that's next week. Uh, this week, which was due to be last week, uh, we've been uh, speaking to Mickey Nuttall, the uh, forward who you might remember from the early 80s. Uh, got lots of goals and um, is a, a fantastic guy to chat to. Uh, was uh, Boston as well. And uh, as you'll hear, has had a sort of up and down uh, career. But uh, fantastic to speak to him. And uh, I've been uh, catching up with him to find out how he became a Wickham Wanderers player. I think it came about uh, all of a sudden, really. I think there was, I'm trying to think of his name, Nicky Evans. He was, he was at Wickham, good striker. I don't know if he had had a little fallout with uh, Martin O'Neill. And I think they sold him. And uh, to be honest, I was just a young lad at uh, Cheltenham Town. I'd been at Peterborough United as uh, for four years, but as an apprentice, and a couple of years pro. And then I went. I ended up being transferred to Cheltenham Town, who were in the Vauxhall Conference. Um, and to be honest, I was a young lad. I think I was 20, 21, and 
even in and out the side there, but did have a few uh, ankle injuries that uh, created a few problems for me, and it wasn't the best. No disrespect, the physio department is not quite like it is now, and uh, I never got any proper treatment, so it was like left to your own devices to get yourself fit, uh, playing semi-pro football, so that was quite tough. So I was a little bit in and out, and I think I, I played against Wickham, I think he had a good game. And they obviously a glint crease. Uh, I can't remember who the other centre-half was. I was a young lad. And I think Martin was obviously... he just seen me playing that game. I thought, oh, we need a striker. Uh, one, one in, one out sort of thing. This is uh, how I um, you know, remember it anyway. Uh, but we're going back a few, a few years now. So, um, yeah, and then out the blue... So I hadn't actually been like banging loads of goals in the Cheltenham and you know on the radar. I think I just played well against uh, his two centre halves, um, and he thought, mm. and that was it. The next thing I was in lodgings in Cheltenham Town, and uh, it come that I think I don't know what they bought me for. It might have been six thousand or eight thousand maximum. Uh, you never really always get to know these these things, but it, it was brandished about. That's roughly what it was, and I was a little bit in shock. Wow, we could you know, a top conference side compared to probably Cheltenham. It, it, it was just a bolt out of the blue. And uh, next thing I know, Martin O'Neill's in my landlady's uh, uh, kitchen eating cheese and onion sandwiches and uh, was signing these forms. And before you know it, I'm a Wickham Wanderers player. So it, it, it was a quick turnaround. And even things like getting to Wickham from where I was at... Uh, because I'd had a car with the club because uh, I was their commercial manager at Cheltenham. And uh, obviously that got taken off and it's like trying to sort all them issues out just to get training for the first month or so was difficult. But then we settled into it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's really how it came about. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're at a good club like Wickham and uh, you can see the difference from like a Cheltenham to a to a Wickham Wanderers, you know, where they were definitely going to go places. So you mentioned it was a while ago. I think it's, it's pretty much about 30 years ago. Does it feel like a long time ago? It does, actually. But but then again, you still speak to the boys on a group chat, all them lads from that era. And uh, we, we met in London a few times, obviously with the COVID stuff that we haven't been able to do it, so we're a little bit frustrated. But we all keep in contact with, you know, lots of laughs and... Uh, jokes flying about as they are in these group chats and uh, it's just good to well when I I did it for the first time because I never really went back for anything I know the lads obviously they went on to play at Wembley and all what they did get into league football but I didn't I didn't last that long if you know what I mean at Wickham and uh, they definitely never see the best of me and I was very young and then I had a Keith Scott who, who obviously ended up playing in the Premiership for Swindon that, that uh, I was competing with. So it was a difficult chore, but, well, not a chore, it, it was a pleasure. But uh, to have even said I was there probably, I don't know, 18 months, was was it, it's still a big part of my career and the learning curve. You know, people like Martin O'Neill and when he used to bring John Robertson into the dressing room just to sit there. And I don't know whether it was the frighten you or to inspire but it, I'm sure it was inspiration especially for people like Steve Guppy and that just to remember that and then to talk to people about it of what you actually did even though it was only a non-league career uh, it's still a feather in your cap I think just to, to to say that you've had them experiences when a lad like Scotty 
you know, and then ends up playing Swindon in the Premiership. You realise that at least someone who took your place, you know, he went on to do something. It, it wasn't any old, body, you know, body. And uh, obviously I'm still the Wickham uh, fans. You obviously still remember him because obviously he scored at Wembley against Kidderminster, which I was involved in. But in the end, I didn't play in the Wembley game. That must have been great to be part of their group, though. It was great to be part of the group, but obviously disappointing because, no disrespect, we, you know, they looked after us fantastically. We went to Burnham Beaches, trained just like what probably England do or the, the, the top teams do on their FA Cup day. And, uh, you know, you treated fantastically well. You trained in the morning. We didn't know the team. And then you got the old, you know, I can't remember exactly. I know what Martin spoke to me. And there was me and uh, Smudgy Smithy, because I don't know how many subs they were allowed. And we didn't get picked. But I played up to probably about the quarterfinals. And then I think signed Scotty and he, I think I got injured and then he got in. And it's just the way it works. And it? at the time, you just gutted, gutted your family and your chance to play at Wembley it's like a dream and this was just the start really of Wickham I think their dominance and uh, so it was nice to be part I even remember the next day thinking oh I don't even want to go on the open top bus because when you haven't played I was pleased for the lads they scored they they won the game and obviously Keith Scott and I think Westy scored that game and uh, it was a great day you know, a lot of fans there. It was great, open top bus. But when you've not played, it, it's just this is the other side of football, isn't it? You know, it's not always roaring success. And you know, as, as you've had a longer career, you realise there's a lot of ups and downs uh, in football. And it, it you know, it, it, I'd love to be here saying, "Yeah, I scored the winner at Wembley." You know, it, but it weren't to be, and I probably wasn't good enough uh, to to be in that team at the time. So. You know, you've got to be honest, I think, as a footballer, not a lot, not a lot are, and uh, some think they're a lot better than what they are, but I think I'm a realist, and uh, when you look back, but do you know what, them lads, every time you meet them, and, and brilliant, brilliant lads, just so down-to-earth lads, and I think that's why they had such a good, you know, work ethic and camaraderie, it, it was unreal, and obviously it's seen through for several years, where they all stuck together, and Martin kept them together, probably even as much into league football it just shows you what sort of group he had there and you must be so proud as well of, of your goals record I think it was 13 in 30 which is pretty decent yeah not too bad actually you know I'm not saying it's been that heavy because I'm a, I'm a big target man so obviously pretty good in the air even though again 21 what you like when you're 27 28 compared to 21 it is massive especially in them positions of a big centre forward because you're playing against like 13 stone centre-halves day in, day out, very strong. It's obviously a physical presence and the technique of, and the experience you need. to. There's certain positions where I think if you're a quick winger, you're a quick winger, you know. But when you, it's a bit of that physicalness and, and the tricks of the trade, you're probably better in your 30s, to be honest, at that job, especially for lower-level players. So... Yeah, to be able to dominate that centre-half at a very young age is very difficult in that non-league football. But yeah, I was. I was you know, probably some of them games were in little cup competitions. But I remember the start of the next season, Keith was, uh, he had, um, and I'd already spoke to Mike, I said, look, if, if I can't get in, because I was living in Boston and, and at one stage I was travelling and it's like about 130 miles. And, you know, you're a non-league footballer doing a 260-mile round trip. 
and uh, if you're not playing, it, it's it's it can get you down. And uh, I'm not saying it did. And, and I, I went back that next season with with gusto, really. And uh, I uh, I ended up starting because I think uh, Scotty had a, his appendix out. He was out, and I scored six in six. And I've, I've still got it on tape because I used to tape the games. Uh, I scored hat trick against Altrincham. And it was the best, one of the best days of my footballing career, really. Uh, I scored up to it. We won 4-2. It was in the conference. I think we went six unbeaten. It was like a record or whatever. And I think I'd scored the winner at Murphy 2 I might score against Yeovil. And then the Atrick. And it was like 6-6. But then what did I do? I went and got myself stupidly sent off. And when you get sent off, and might not know the manager, and it's probably the first half, and you're in that shower waiting for the lads to come in and then you hear you know what a prat you are <laughs> it, 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 that, it turned from everything going brilliantly that season it couldn't have gone any better to it's probably the worst it felt like the worst day of your life the, uh, the rough of uh, Martin when when that happens and then I think the lads still got a draw but you get fined two weeks wages and uh, you know no bones about it you know what you've done Done wrong. So, uh, and then I think from then on, Scotty got fit, he got back in the side, and then that's the way it was going to go. It's really nice to hear that sort of contrast from you, though, because I think as well, yeah. a lot of supporters don't get to probably realise, as you say, the ups um, and downs. They only, they only, you know, they only obviously when, when you're scoring the goals and, and doing well. Oh, definitely. I've been with other teams. I've got to the semi-final of the FA Trophy, and I would have played in the teams because I was not the main man, but you, you know, you was older, more experienced, and I was playing and then we got beat in the two legs and uh, again it's just so close but so far I've won a few leagues with other clubs and things like that and that's been a real good feeling but you know regarding the Wickham I just it was the start of what I what class not that I'm an expert on Wickham Wanderers the history of Wickham Wanderers but uh, that group and it was just great to see them all do so well and obviously, see the, see the likes of Steve Guppy, who, who I used to live with, actually, because uh, the chairman, he had a um, a bungalow, and there was myself, Andy Kerr, uh, Steve Guppy, and players like that, and they're like 18, he's 18, I'm probably 21, or he's 19, and nervous all the time, and having your pasta on the Friday night, and, you know, out the tin, you meet out the tin, and when you think now, out, players get looked after and, and, and things and what we were doing. I was sleeping on a mattress in one of the rooms before games and things like that because my travelling was too far and sometimes I, oh, I stay over for a couple of nights. Obviously that creates that camaraderie as well. All good lads who go out together night on a night out and then obviously you're training and playing. But what I will say is like little things are what I tell the people at night. We never did any proper training. It, we just had a game. We just had a game across the pitch, and Alan Parry would come and uh, take part with his boots on. He weren't the best, by the way, but he, he, <laughs> we'd had a laugh. And then Martin would come on his trainers. He'd be slipping. He'd be sliding all over, and he'd get involved ten minutes. Oh, my knees not. And then he'd go in. It, we never did set pieces. We never did hardly any running. It was it was fantastic, really. And I think obviously that's where when you listen uh, I'm sure the lads know Martin ten times better than me because I know he's still in contact with a lot of them because obviously they were an important group of lads in his career. It was good that them lads 
I think, you know, I don't know how many of them actually got that chance to probably play league football. And um, I bet there was a fair few of them that were in that team that I was in. So it just shows you the quality, you know, Davy Carroll, people like that. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think Matty Crossley, Green Creaser, uh, etc. But it was, I had a move... Um, Again, they made money on me, so at least I wasn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I think they sold me for 14000 to Boston United, but that was my hometown club. It's where I'm from. So when they come calling, I'd scored 6-6, six six, so I was getting a bit of news early on in the season. And I think Martin had made that decision that Keith Scott was going to be his number one striker. And he's a big lad like myself. And obviously... You know, he made a wise decision, and obviously it was easy decision, I, I presume. And I don't like putting myself down, but it's a fact. And he proved, you know, from scoring a lot of goals, etc., and going higher, that that it was fully deserved. So sometimes you just got to go. Well, that's football. Move on, get some more experience. But that ground in there, it, it was just something you carry forever. You know, in a non-league career, it's like I would say. I love playing for my hometown club, Boston United. I won a league with them, a league title, etc. And I played for Rushton Diamonds, who was a quite a big. But we were at one stage like the Man United of that lower level football, really, because of all the money that Max Griggs had put into the Dr. Martin's Airway guy had put into the club. But, you know, I'd say Wickham, it's the best club I've played for with the best players, the backroom staff, and everybody that were there. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, they went on to do better things when I wasn't there. And it was just good to see. I loved seeing the boys and, and winning, you know, championships. And, yeah, brilliant. And I'm sure fans will be keen to know what you're doing these days. Well, it has been a roller coaster. What I'm actually doing now. I did lose my wife at 35 years old, and uh, I brought up my son. He was eight at the time. My wife died in a car accident. So it was just an horrendous time to be honest obviously and it still feels like yesterday and my son's still living with me now he's 26 I brought him up sort of on my own as you do obviously with family about around me so it was horrendous and uh, to be honest I give up work as well I was I was in a not a bad situation I'd, I'd uh, built a few houses if you know what I, mean. uh, I, I was uh, I used to self build I couldn't do the building but I used to sort of project it, 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 it thing but in Lincolnshire it's very cheap for property it was at the time when I started it was uh, you know very cheap for land uh, etc compared to probably down in Wickham and all that area yeah it's very it, it's a bit a fair bit it was a fair bit cheaper back in then days so I got myself in a little bit of a decent position and uh, but I, I gave up work virtually for um, eight years to look after my son and, I, and I, when I was looking for sort of, I've set up an exterior cleaning business because my son works with me. So we're a little bit of a team. It's called Elite Exterior Cleaning Specialist. I'm my own boss, and I can start with a one, finish when I want, and have a day off when I want. So it's uh, it's quite nice actually. I've done some football coaching as well. I was coaching at Boss United Academy and the youth team, and etc. And I probably could have been involved in some lower league football coaching. I've had little bits. I do like striker training. I love coaching young lads. I'm not saying I was especially in scoring goal, but I love anything in and around the penalty box, working with strikers. Everybody loves it in the back of the net. You know, kids will never get bored of it. There's so many things you can do. And 
I did actually have a little striker school, uh, and I just haven't pushed it. And uh, but now, Boss United have just built a brand new stadium and a new 4G pitch, so it's going to give us some uh, an opportunity to probably start that up again with some decent facilities about. Really pleased to hear from Mickey Nuttall, and uh, as mentioned, Steve Thompson will be on the show next week. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come in the final part of the Wickham Wanderer show, it's the final part already, uh, we'll be hearing from manager Gareth Ainsworth, who uh, caught up with a little earlier on today, looking ahead to the Doncaster game, and uh, finding out uh, the feeling on the training ground this week after uh, that fantastic run of seven league wins at home, uh, which uh, culminated in that uh, victory over Gillingham on Saturday. Uh, that's coming up a little later on. We'll be uh, uh, giving you a bit of a, a, um, a sort of news, if that's the right word, on how Wickham Wanderers women are getting on as well. But first... I've also been catching up with club director, or former club director, I should say, uh, Alan Parry, who had a long association uh, with Wickham Wanderers and uh, still obviously a big supporter of the club, uh, but uh, been finding out how he first started uh, following Wickham Wanderers, which was a long time ago. It was January 1975. I was a sort of junior sports reporter at uh, BBC Radio in London, having recently moved down from uh, Radio Merseyside. I was born and and grew up in Liverpool. uh, And they assigned me an FA Cup third-round match between Wickham Wanderers and Middlesbrough. And I have to be honest and say, I had never heard of Wickham Wanderers. I had no idea where the town of High Wickham was on the map. I had to check that with a colleague. Anyway, off I went uh, to the old ground in the town centre, Lokes Park, uh, and this was a famous uh, FA Cup tie in the club's history. It was a really eventful cup tie, which I had to report on for BBC Radio Sports Report, famous programme that began at five o'clock every Saturday afternoon. And I got such a warm welcome from everyone at the club. I I thought to myself, you know, this is a club I'd like to get involved with. I was living quite locally at the time. Brian Lee was the uh, Wickham manager, iconic figure in the club's history. And he said, well, you know, when you're not working, feel free to come along, join us in the boardroom, enjoy our hospitality, which I did. And it all sort of grew from there, really, eventually becoming a club director for some 20-odd years. And it's been a really big part of my life. And, you know, I love the club from top to bottom. And it's been a very eventful 40-odd years following them all over the country. Are you able to put your finger on what's so special about the club? Because you speak to so many people who've either played or worked or even just visited, and they all say the same thing. It's such a family club, so welcoming, and obviously has so many sort of special stories. I think humility is a word that always comes to mind. There are certain clubs in the division that uh, Wickham are now in, in League One, dare I mention the likes of Sunderland and even Portsmouth, who, because of their distinguished history in the Football League and indeed in the Premier League, have this sense of entitlement, if you like. Wickham coming from a much more humble background from non-league days, and they were, as I mentioned, uh, uh, an Isthmian League club uh, when they took on Middlesbrough, and very nearly beat them, by the way, went out to a late goal in the replay up at Ayrson Park, uh, Middlesbrough's ground in those days. So, you know, no one has this feeling of, we are bigger than this, we are better than this. Uh, And that has been perfectly displayed, I think, by the attitude of the current manager, Gareth Ainsworth, you know, who is always very humble in his approach, always very realistic as well. And I love that. Um, Yes, we don't have the history 
uh, of some of the bigger clubs around us and some of the bigger clubs, particularly in the championship that Wickham shared pitches with last season. But we do have a warmth uh, and a depth of feeling about the club that is not exactly unique, but hard to find. And I love that. And obviously, there's been the recent success of gaining promotion to the to the championship. But prior to that, I think the club was best known for coming up from the conference into the, the league, led by Martin O'Neill. And we spoke to him uh, in the previous season of this show, and he, he credited you with uh, with sort of bringing him to the club. How did that come about? Well, I've known Martin from his playing days at Nottingham Forest, and kind of kept uh, loosely in touch with him. At uh, this particular juncture in Wickham's history, they were looking for a new manager. By coincidence, I bumped into Martin at an FA Cup tie. It was Norwich against Liverpool. I was there, you know, I mentioned that I was brought up in Liverpool and always have a great affection for Liverpool FC. So I was just uh, there to watch them play, support them if you like. Martin was there, I believe, working for BBC Radio. And we bumped into each other. You know, it's become a good, quite a well-known story, this, in the Jens toilet at the end of the game. I had previously put Martin's name forward for a, a, an earlier managerial vacancy, and astonishingly, he wasn't even interviewed. Uh, the club had a committee running them at that time, and they didn't see fit to even talk to him. And he said, oh, I believe Wickham, uh, this is, you know, I'm now moving it forward to the Norwich-Liverpool game. He said, oh, I believe Wickham are still looking for a manager. I said, well, coincidentally... They're actually interviewing for a new manager today. Oh, I wish I'd known, said Martin. You know, I, I would have thrown my hat in the ring again. I said, well, look, on my way home, I'll ring the chairman, Ivor Beeks, and, and, and tell him of your interest, which I did. And Ivor said, oh, unfortunately for Martin, we've just appointed Kenny Swain, who was an ex-Wickham uh, player, went on to have a very successful career at the top level, Chelsea and a few others. Uh, okay. I ring Martin back, sorry, job's gone. Following day, Monday morning, I get an urgent phone call from Ivor Beeks. Kenny Swain, who at the time was actually uh, assistant manager or first-team coach at Crew Alexander, had gone back to Crew. They wanted to keep him. They offered him a, a better job description and more money, and he decided he would stay at Crew and not take the Wickham job. Can you ring Martin urgently, said Ivor Beeks. I did. And that is exactly how Martin O'Neill was appointed. And the rest, as they say, is history. The greatest manager in the club's history being severely challenged at the moment by Gareth Ainsworth. It just felt like such a fantastic period as well, obviously, with, as you say, getting promoted to the, to the Football League, but also the FA Trophy at Wembley and the playoff finals as well. And, and a strange kind of quirk of history playing against Preston, of course, with Gareth and team there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they were wonderful days. He, he was the catalyst, I think, for making Wickham the club they are today because his arrival pretty much coincided with the move from Lokes Park to Adams Park. So it all came together neatly. Suddenly we had a charismatic manager and, more importantly, a successful manager. Then we had a new stadium and obviously that boosted the attendances for Wickham games. And it just kind of rolled on from there, and it was just a wonderful period, as you mentioned, FA Trophy successes at Wembley, and then the frustration of the just season when we got 92 points in the conference, as it was called then, the National League, as it is now, and still didn't go up. Our old rivals, Colchester, pipped us on goal difference. Now, it would have been easy in the following season to be feeling sorry for ourselves and you know take that one on the chin and think, 
how are we ever going to get out of this league if 92 points wasn't enough. But Martin made sure that that mentality did not pervade the club and particularly the dressing room. And then we did go up in glorious style. And suddenly there we were rubbing shoulders with, you know, some very famous clubs playing our first ever football league game at Carlisle United. And we've now become a very well-established club in the EFL with a lot of promotions to our name as well. And it must have been great as well, but I guess challenging at times too, to, to be a director of, of the club, but to have such a kind of pivotal role. Because I guess fans would just see, you know, they'd see the director's box and they'd see people in ties. And, and you know, the, as you say, they're in the boardroom. But I guess you're not too sure what goes on behind the scenes, but it must be great to have, have that sort of role. I was persuaded to stand for uh, the directorship, and I did so on the basis of, as you've mentioned, there are three, I think, distinct parts to most football clubs there's the, the the fans obviously the players and the boardroom and i said i would love to bring together these three factions because if the, there's a separation there that leads to animosity let's face it on occasions uh, the fans think the board are all as you say sitting there in the director's box quietly in their suits and ties and enjoying a nice meal before and free drinks afterwards the players usually aren't that interested in matters going on in the boardroom. So that, that, that was my objective. Didn't entirely succeed, I remember, but I tried my best on that basis. And then, obviously, with my media background, I was able to help the club in many different directions that way by using my contacts in media and, indeed, in the football world to, well, on some occasions, help get loan players in and uh, help to get televised and broadcast games which are very uh, lucrative to the club so yeah it's been an interesting journey and it's not over yet must be really nice as well to reflect on, on the different managers because we, we seem to have been so lucky in the, in the calibre of manager that have been able to attract to the club. Obviously talking people like Peter Taylor and John Gorman after their success, but also managers who've gone on to do so well, uh, often at Aston Villa. Uh, with, but also other, other managers as well going on to like Laurie Sanchez as well, doing well at the club, but then also doing pretty well at an international level too. Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned, without patting myself on the back, I had a part to play in all that. I was one of the uh, board of directors who would interview prospective managers, and I used to put names forward from people who I knew had had success in the lower divisions and I knew were good guys uh, and I knew would, would fit you know, the, the requirements of Wickham. Not all of them were appointed, I have to say. Not all of the appointments that were made did I agree with, I would also have to add. But yeah, we've mentioned Martin O'Neill. I also played a part in uh, John Gorman arriving. He was another guy who I had known for many years. I think most Wickham fans would agree that John's style of football, his philosophy, produced some of the most entertaining matches and some of the the very best uh, technical players that Wickham fans have seen over the years in the EFL. I wanted to, I'll be honest with you, I wanted John to get the job when the job went to Tony Adams. Nothing against Tony, but I did point out to my fellow directors that Tony Adams had played something like 800 games for Arsenal, 80-odd caps for England. You know, everything that he had experienced in football had been at the elite, the very highest level. And at that time, we were struggling near the bottom of the table. What would he know about rescuing a team, you know, that was facing the possibility of relegation from the lower divisions? He'd probably hardly ever seen games at that level. Anyway, an uneasy compromise was reached. Tony Adams was given the manager's job. 
I was asked to plead with John Roman if he would come in as his assistant. He was initially reluctant to do that. I did manage to persuade him. It didn't work. It, it was an unhappy marriage with two uh, football men with very different philosophies on how the game should be played. And John departed after a few weeks. But, you know, he was enormously popular, John, with the players because of his coaching methods and the type of football he wanted to see played. And as I've mentioned, I think Wickham fans would agree that it, it, it was an outstanding period in the club's history, only derailed, of course, by the sad death of John's own wife and the terrible accident involving a, a young Wickham player at that time. We were flying in the league. I remember up to Christmas, we had a big lead. Then those two uh, deaths occurred and, and just everyone was distracted by it for obvious reasons. Mark Pyler was a very popular lad in the dressing room. And, you know, we tailed away that season uh, and, and John subsequently left. But uh, I don't think you'll find many Wickham fans with a bad word to say about John Gorman. Definitely not. A fantastic period in the club and great to hear from Alan Parry and his thoughts. Uh, bang up to date now, though, with the current manager who spoke to us this morning uh, at uh, just before training. Uh, reflecting on uh, that fantastic run of seven uh, league wins at home uh, with a brilliant victory over Gillingham on Saturday. Just brilliant to be involved with and uh, the players have just done fantastic at home. You know, we, we've got this real home form going, you know, at the moment and uh, and the, they feel at home when they turn up, you know, they're... they're they know what they're going to get from the fans, and and it's just been uh, it's been a fortress so far this season, Adam Sparks. So I'm really really pleased with that, and uh, and the way we, we, uh, we we're starting games there has, has been powerful. You know, blowing teams away in the early minutes. So um, yeah, all uh, all you know components of a, of a good side and uh, and home form is something that you rely on. You know, the top teams in the country. You know, you always you always find their home records phenomenal and uh, at the moment yeah we, uh, we're right up there so I'm, uh, I'm really pleased with the home form it's on the road now we've got to, we've got to make sure that we, uh, we're solid as well I know you're really noticing a progression each week with the team yeah definitely you know, and you're going to get that with new signings fitting into the team you know Brandon Anlin Sam Volks and Josh Scone but he's been here quite a while you know so Sully so Kaka you know we've got to get these players playing the way that, that that we can play, you know, that, um, and, and the culture and everything they fit, and uh, and yeah, just really, really pleased with um, with everyone who's coming, all the new signings, you know, the young boys as well, and uh, the way we are attacking teams and uh, and going at teams. I think it's it's a real it's a real joy to see. You know, we're working it in training. We uh, we've still got plenty to work on, but um, some of the stuff that we work on now is coming off where it's not just uh, off the cuff stuff. It's actually um, planned moves and when you see them coming off in games it's, it's really nice to see and a real testament to the strength of the side as well to have the game on during the international break and, and does that differ with, in terms of your preparations during this week as well or do you do, you do the same sort of things as if you had all the players back no it's, 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 you, you, you've got to adapt you know we, that's one of our big strengths I think over the years we've learned how to do that me and Rich and uh, that was a big decision for me to put that game on last week obviously with Sully and Daryl going and TJ although TJ was deemed to get more fitness back here which was a, a good move from, from Gibraltar so it was a big big call but uh, the right call because momentum's important as well and, and I think we've shown the depth now for once days gone by there's no way we could have played that that game with two of our starters missing and uh, I think we've shown the depth of, uh, of what we can do so really really pleased looking forward to, to seeing how deep we can go when we go into the season and uh, and you get the obvious suspensions injuries and, and fixture congestion so all teams are going to have it we're hoping that we're as deep as everyone in this league or the best teams in this league and we can uh, we can turn around players without weakening the side 
And obviously really nice to come out of the international break level on points with the leaders as well. Yeah, it's early days, you know, so... Um... There's a long way to go, but uh, you know I think we're, we're coming up to a quarter of the season going, which would be be great to be in, in in and around the top end of the table. Got to do it three more times, and that's that's what I'll be saying to the boys. You know, we uh, we've had a good start, but that's all it is, and we've got to maintain that. Uh, but like you say, the depth uh, and, and things like that is all pointing towards us having a sustained challenge this year. But I guess conversely, you're taking on a team uh, this weekend who, who've not had such a good start. But I guess that's that's something that I, I've spoken to, to many colleagues who said, especially in League One, you know, the league position, as you say, especially early in the season, it, it doesn't really you know dictate form or how a game's going to go. No, not at all. Doncaster Rovers are a big side. You know, they've got some real good players in there and uh, finding their feet as well. You know, they beat MK Dons last week, which is a big scalp for them and. Uh, and they've uh, they've tinkered a bit with their style, so we'll definitely be wary of these, you know, and, and rather on Tuesday. You know, there's two big games coming up then, and we're taking them both as serious as each other. There's no way that just because Donny Bottom and Rotherham are, are up there with us, it's uh, it's two different games. That you cannot take anyone lightly in this league, believe me. Whether it's uh, 24th in the league or, or top of the league, we we've got to approach it with the same intensity, the same professionalism, and, and we will. And as you say, it'd be great to, to um, sort of match the home home record away as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've had a loss away from home with, uh, with the Sunderland um, defeat. You know, that was, uh, that was a tough one to take. And then the MK Dons one, obviously, with, with 10 men, we uh, we could probably look for an excuse there. But um, we definitely want to get this away form on track. Uh, you know, I think in the early years, I was renowned for great away form. We seem to be playing better away from home but I prefer it the way it is I prefer the home for me and the, you know, the building blocks of everything and if you can pick points up away from home anything to bonus after that so um, not getting beat away from home is, is key as long as you're winning your home games and just finally, we spoke to uh, Alan Parry this week about his long association with the club, and he was talking about how special it was and, and the humility of the club, and, and that's not been better displayed this week, obviously, with you know, your tributes, whether it's a, a supporter who's passed away or on the eve of um, World's Mental Health Day, a member of Buck's Mind has given a VIP day out at the club, and, and also you telephoning a, a club legend as well who, who suffered a heart attack. You must be, uh, well, obviously, you say that you're always proud to be the manager, but you must be so proud to be leading uh, a club like that. Absolutely. So, it's, for me, that's normal. It's not anything special that we do. That for me is is normal, and that's the world I live in, and and that's uh, that's important to me. You know, I think that I was amazed to see you know my phone call to Len get highlighted because for me that would that's a normal phone call that anyone would make. Maybe you know in in, in the days we live in things things get lost a little bit and uh, and things become more special than they should be. But um, I, I will win this club the way I feel, the way my values are, and uh, if it's the right thing and we're getting praise for it then brilliant but um, for me that's how it should be anyway it's not an extra special effort you know and uh, and that's uh, that's we're confirmed for I think uh, as long as we can keep these values that the club has got and, and we've worked on for so long um, we'll be in good stead we'll lose a draw and uh, as, as you rightly said I'm very proud to be uh, the head name at this club but believe me everyone plays their part uh, it's not just me um, and that's, that's Wickham Wanderers And you still get to fit in a game yourself on a Sunday? <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still sore today, and it's Thursday, so I don't know if I'll be playing this Sunday. Uh, I think the body had a had a, a shock. I think I, I think my uh, my body had, had shut down and, and semi comatosed itself uh, away from football. So I think I've shocked it back into action, and uh, there's some muscles aching that I didn't even know I had. So I'm, I might have to take a week off. Well, we're, we're up north anyway, so. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be looking at the week after maybe to ease myself back in, but 90 minutes after t- two years out uh, might not have been the best idea.
<laughs> really pleasing to hear that uh, Gareth struggles. <laughs> it's still still not quite recovered by Thursday. Uh, that is encouraging. I must say uh, all the best to uh, Gareth and the team, of course, uh, for this Saturday away to Doncaster. And as mentioned, of course, as well, uh, Tuesday night away to Rotherham. A quick mention to uh, for Wickham Wanderers ladies who lost uh, against Woodley. They're back in action this coming Sunday against Chesham United in the Bucks and Bucks FA Cup. Uh, and then next, taking on Hearn Bay in the third qualifying round of the Women's FA Cup as well. Uh, back next week, Bob and myself on the Wickham Wanderers show uh, talking to Steve Thompson, honestly, and uh, uh, lots more as well, including hearing from Gareth on those two games uh, as uh, Wickham Wanderers doing well in League One, of course. Uh, so we'll be charting their progress. There'll be a podcast version of the show available from tomorrow as well. Uh, so if you're listening to it now, uh, this then you'll be listening to it uh, at your leisure. Uh, make sure you don't miss that. The Wickham Wanderer Show back at the same time next week, 7 o'clock, here at Wickham Sound. <laughs>